Uh, it's an honor to get to uh, preach God's word and get to study God's word with you guys. My name is Joshua Kagan, and I uh, get the privilege of being on the, the uh, teaching team with many others here at Shine. So we're going to dive into God's word tonight, uh, but first we're going to pass around some mics. I want to hear from you guys uh, uh, what God's been doing in the realm of the Holy Spirit. We have done two weeks of preaching on Holy Spirit, and then last week, uh, House Church Weekend, we studied repentance in correlation with being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I just want to hear what testimonies do you have, or what revelation, or what have you learned about Holy Spirit in these last three weeks? Uh, what steps have you taken in your faith or in your walk with Holy Spirit? Um, I'm, I'm looking for any kind of testimony or any kind of thoughts in regards to uh, how have you grown in your relationship with Holy Spirit or your revelation of who he is. We have some guys bringing around mics. Here we go, up here. I'm Ellie. Uh, a thought that I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me a while back um, was just kind of this picture of how in like the Old Testament, God, his spirit dwelled in the temple and there was like a holy of holy. And then Jesus came, and then the Spirit dwelled within him, and he was the bridge between us and God. And now today, we are the temple. And so we carry the holies of holies. Yeah, come on. So, so uh, like a phrase that the Holy Spirit, I feel like he's given me is, do I want to carry the holies of holies into this conversation, into this activity, into wow. this thought? Because we're constantly hosting the presence as the temple, like the ancient temple did in the Old Testament. Yeah, come on. Amen. Amen. Yeah, amen. Wow. That's a weighty reality, <laughs> to say the least. Anybody else? Testimonies, new knowledge or wisdom in the Holy Spirit? Did, did somebody raise their hand? No, I'm pointing at you. Oh, it's me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> raise the mic. That's all it takes. Yeah, so my name is Justin. Uh, I was watching, I can't remember if I shared this uh, here on a Saturday night or not, but I was watching an episode of The Chosen where Jesus was ministering and all of his disciples were just kind of basically hanging out around the campfire and there was strife and they didn't know what to do and they were worried about what they were going to do for dinner and money and um, they were just kind of a mess. And then Jesus would show up, and then things would get really exciting, and then they would surrender to him again. And uh, it, was, it was a life of power and excitement and what's coming next. And then Jesus would step away to minister again, and then they go right back to uh, just waffling. And <clears throat> I was thinking about the Holy Spirit and about how, you know, for them when Jesus was here, when he said, I must go so that you will have something better, when Jesus was physically with the disciples, it was, it was fantastic when he stepped away they just kind of fell off the deep end. And, but now we have the Holy Spirit in us and walking with us all the time. Mm. And so it's as if Jesus in the flesh is in the car with us, in the meeting with us, in, in the, uh, you know, around on. the dinner table at the family with us. And it's just, uh, that's been a really helpful revelation for me and how I regard Holy Spirit. Wow. Amen. That constant and present awareness of his presence. That'll change us. At least it should, right? Yes. I think to tag along, my name is Crystal. I think to tag along with what he was saying for us, um, I as a stay-at-home mom have been 
having my kids have the understanding that Holy Spirit isn't just for adults. There is no little kid Holy Spirit. And that when I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help me because I'm angry or I'm tired, when they are upset with their siblings or they're trying to work it out, I'm like, you can ask Holy Spirit just like I can. And he can come and he can talk to you and you can talk to him just like you and I. And he wants that from you. And they're exploring that just as much as I am. Yes. Amen. Our, whole, our kids can get a hold of the reality of Holy Spirit in them. Please, Lord. That's awesome. Anything else? Okay. Well, I wanted to take a second and just uh, share my testimony in regards to my relationship with the Holy Spirit as I hope it builds somewhat of a foundation or at least gives us some sort of a bridge because I know we come from such vast backgrounds uh, some people in this room, maybe having been atheists in your lifetime, uh, didn't believe in a God, didn't know there was a God, didn't uh, profess God. Others of us come from maybe uh, super religious backgrounds, uh, maybe Catholic or, or some other liturgical um, you know, Christianity. Um, myself, I came from a Baptist background, independent fundamental Baptist. Does anybody know what that is? Independent fundamental Baptist. The Baptists are good at putting all these extra tags on there to like really you know, whoever's really the closest to Jesus. And so we were independent, fundamental Baptists, and there was a lot that went along with that tagline. But I know uh, a lot of you may come from other religions and different things like that. So I want to share a little bit of my background. Um, I grew up uh, in, this, in this sect of Christianity, um, independent, fundamental Baptists, where, uh, man, we championed the word of God. And please forgive me or don't judge me. Um, when you pray for humility, and then right before you come to church, you can't find your Bible, so you have to use your wife's purple, like, flower Bible. The Lord says, yes, prayer granted, prayer granted, humility for you. Uh, but uh, as I was growing up, we championed the word of God. Um, we wouldn't have said this uh, out loud, but in practice and in theology, we would have said, Father, Son, and Holy Bible. Um, Holy Spirit, we didn't really mention because... Uh, other sects of Christianity, Pentecostals or Charismatics, they used the Holy Spirit and they did it very wrongly. But us Baptists did it very rightly. So we, never, we didn't talk about Holy Spirit because he was very controversial and uh, often led you into very weird places. And so we don't do that. We just stick to the Bible and the parts of the Bible that we can explain. Because anything else, let's just not go there. And so that's the best way I can kind of summarize it. We, we passionately believed in the word of God and in the inerrant word of God and the whole entire word of God. And I praise God for my background and I praise God for my upbringing and I praise God for his word. Um, unfortunately, I didn't really learn that uh, you can't wield this sword or the word of God without the Holy Spirit. It is, it's a sword of the spirit. And so, uh, unfortunately, in a lot of religious backgrounds, especially Christian religious backgrounds, um, there can be many where you get filled with the Bible and never get filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's who Jesus wrestled with the most in his ministry. A lot of Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, people who had this thing memorized, or at least the first five books or different parts of the Old Testament. They had the law memorized, the Pentateuch memorized, uh, but they were so far from God and the revelation of God because the revelation of God only comes by his spirit illuminating the word of God. So we have to have the word of God. We have to have his Holy Spirit. Well, I grew up and we didn't, uh, I grew up in a place where we didn't believe that Holy Spirit really did anything supernatural. Um, the Holy Spirit 
we would, we would say we believed in the Holy Spirit because it was in the Bible, but only thing he did was convict you through God's word. That's all he did, um, was bring conviction through God's word. Well, uh, as, I was, as I became a pastor um, later in life, probably in my mid-20s, I became a youth pastor and was a youth pastor for about six years. And during that time, I was, I'm reading through the Bible. I'm trying to read through the Bible almost, almost in a different translation once a year. Just, I can't get enough of God's word. I love God's word. I'm hungry for God's word. And I'm, I'm trying to get more of his heart for me. And I couldn't, I couldn't compute a lot of the passages I was reading about the Holy Spirit, and especially the supernatural kind of uh, mystical things Holy Spirit did throughout biblical history or throughout the Bible or even the stuff that I experienced or saw. And this one time I went to a conference, uh, here I am, Independent Fundamental Baptist, and like in a church that's non-denominational uh, in my mid-20s, around age 30 or so, I go to this conference at a church down in Colorado Springs, and to make a long story short, uh, the pastor during the conference comes and grabs me out of the crowd of about 300 pastors, and he pulls me up on stage and he says, Josh, Holy Spirit told me you're going to get the gift of tongues and gift of prophecy right now. And I, you don't, I, like, maybe if you're a Catholic or if you're a Baptist, you don't appreciate this, like, to the fullest degree. I literally apologized to him and I said, bro, like, I'm a Baptist. I don't even know if, like, that can happen. And, uh, and so this is my experience pulls me up on stage, these guys gather around me in front of these hundreds of other pastors, and they start praying, and, and I'm just here to testify um, that God's greatest grace comes in humility and in our brokenness, and before all those guys, I fell on the floor, and I can't explain it. I'm not here to explain every intricacy of the Holy Spirit, but I started crying out in this language I didn't understand, and, and to this day, it's, that's probably 10 years ago now, um, I constantly pray in this, in what the Bible would call tongues or other languages, and it increases and encourages my spirit, like 1 Corinthians 14 says. I never was able to explain 1 Corinthians 14, but then I experienced it, and I was like, oh. <laughs> and so that sometimes that's all we have is a, oh, okay, fine, Holy Spirit. Like, this is hard to explain. It's hard to preach theologically sometimes, um, but uh, that was my experience. And since that time, I've been having a lot of dreams and God speaks to me through dreams. And, uh, and some of you would say, man, it's really cool to get direct words from God, like a word of knowledge or these dreams or some of these little more mystical ways that God spoke all the time in the Bible through words and visions and dreams. Um, and I've been having all these dreams for the last 10 years. And you, and you think that's really cool and it's, it kind of sounds cool until you realize like, all the people that God entrusted his word with, like they all died because they had to preach his word and they had to share his word. And a lot of the dreams I get, uh, I shouldn't say a lot of them, uh, and, and I don't know about a majority, because a prophecy is always encouraging and consoling and it's always there to heal and bring life to somebody through God's, through God's word, aligned with God's word. Um, but a lot of times God has revealed to me other people's sin and I've had to go confront that. And it's not fun and it's not easy. Uh, but when you have a dream of, of somebody you love and respect or someone in authority in a church who's in sin, um, it's not easy to deal with. And then, then all of a sudden you say, oh Lord, maybe the gift of prophet isn't as cool as I thought it was. Maybe it's not as flashy and awesome as I thought it was going to be. And to the degree that you obey the Lord and he can entrust you with his word and you're obedient to, to deliver that word, he'll entrust you with more. And Holy Spirit will fill you with more. And so that's my own, that's my own testimony, that that's like some of the more, um, 
kind of a little bit more mystical things of the Holy Spirit that I've encountered, and, and we could sit and talk through it and teach through it for a long time, and I know, I just pray that we all come to this table with the Holy Spirit as we, as we beg Holy Spirit to reveal himself to us with an open heart and an open mind and not bringing our closed boxes into how God can work because he spoke through animals, through donkeys. I mean, he, he, you look at the weird things that Holy Spirit did when he fell on Saul and so Saul stripped down naked and started prophesying. It's like, this is weird. This is really weird. And I don't understand it. And there's a lot of really weird things. But God always has a purpose and he always has a plan and he will always fulfill his word. And all that he does aligns with his word. And Holy Spirit is here to magnify and glorify Jesus Christ. And he's gonna do it in weird ways and that's okay. And may we be open to that um, but may we also align ourselves completely with God's word, which is the standard by which we can measure because he says test and hold on to everything that's good and right. So not everything that's weird is of God. Lord have mercy. Um, so we must be diligent to test with God's word by his spirit and his spirit grants us discernment because the Holy Spirit speaks to us through the, in, through the uh, intuition, through the conscience. That's where Holy Spirit speaks. Um, less the audible voice of God, for God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So a little bit of my background, just so you know where I'm coming from. I've experienced pretty radical things with Holy Spirit. My theology with Holy Spirit has been everywhere beautiful and, and it's growing uh, and I pray it's growing with you guys as I'm here to learn with you guys. But we're gonna dive in tonight uh, to really, I want, I want to go right after the heart of Holy Spirit. Like why does he exist and what's his primary ministry? What is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Because some people get really infatuated with some really mystical, wild things, and I think they miss the main thing, that, Jesus, that, that the Holy Spirit is just here to magnify Jesus Christ, and he's here to glorify Jesus Christ in you. Holy Spirit isn't here for you as a tool. Holy Spirit isn't here as a weapon for you to, to wield. He is here to fill you in such a way that you become like Christ and you become the weapon that gets wielded. You become the weapon that becomes powerful. You become the one, the light of the earth. You become, as Paul would say, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. This life that I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I no longer, I mean, he claims to, to literally personify Christ, to become Christ to the fullness. And that's what Holy Spirit's here to do, to illuminate Christ in you uh, and to make sure that everything else is dead. And so I wanna go after that passage. If you'll turn with me in, to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter two. And I'm just gonna preach, I'm pretty much just gonna read this because <laughs> Holy Spirit can do, do all that he wants to. Let's just pray. Father, uh, thank you so much for your spirit, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of truth, spirit of revelation, the spirit of holiness, spirit of purity, spirit of power. All that your spirit is mentioned to be as DJ preached a couple weeks ago, spirit, fire, water, um, light, uh, wind, anointing oil, um, breath. Holy Spirit, you're so beautiful and glorious and abundant and full of Christ. And we just, we just glorify you right now. We wanna magnify you, uh, not as a part of God, but you are in fact God, Holy Spirit. 
you are in fact God and we acknowledge you as such. We acknowledge you as Lord. Lord over this message, Lord over your word, Lord over our hearts. Right now, would you, um, would you soften our hearts to be, re- to be able to receive the fullness of, of all that you wanna deliver, of all that you wanna do in and through us, God? We just, uh, we just surrender right now. We just surrender to you, Holy Spirit. We love you. And we plead for your, uh, for your power. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> amen. Second Corinthians chapter two, we're gonna start in verse 14. Verse 14. Uh, I'm using the Passion Translation tonight. I enjoy the Passion Translation. It's a fun translation because they go after the Greek and the Aramaic. If you know the Aramaic was the spoken language of Jesus' time. And so it brings some, some different, fresh, like colorful revelation to the Greek. Um, anyway, why I like to use the Passion Translation. So if this doesn't align with your translation, we might have some scriptures up here. This is the Passion Translation on the screen. Verse 14, 2 Corinthians 2.14. God always makes his grace visible in Christ. All right? I'm going to skip really quick over to chapter 3, verse 8. You don't have to turn there, but I want to mention this. Chapter three, verse eight says this, yet how much more radiant is the new and glorious ministry of the spirit that shines from us? All right, so we're gonna be looking at the ministry of the spirit and that's midway through chapter three. Uh, When Paul's writing this letter, it's not chapters, it's just a letter that he's writing to this church in Corinth. It's the second time he's written to them. If you guys have ever read the first letter that he wrote to Corinth, it wasn't pretty, but it was wild and it was filled with a lot about the Holy Spirit. And so now he's going to really go after this church saying, hey, do you really understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit? So that's halfway through, through chapter three, and we're going to get there in a little bit, but we're going to turn back to chapter two, and we're going to look at the different ministries, the way that Holy Spirit ministers. Uh, that word ministry just means uh, to serve. It's the, it's the word that we get for uh, servant or to serve tables, to wait tables. Um, if, you are, if you have a ministry, that's how you serve. That's where you serve. Uh, a deacon in a church, if you've heard the term deacon, the same word there. Diakonos, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it in the Greek, but it just means to serve, to wait tables, to serve. Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. So the Holy Spirit is here to serve us as we magnify Jesus Christ, and he serves the world through us, because this is God's God with us. Holy Spirit, God with us. So what is he doing? What is Holy Spirit going to do? Chapter 14, or sorry, chapter 2, verse 14. Holy Spirit in us leads us in triumph and victory in Christ. Here we go. God always makes his grace visible, verse 14, in Christ, who includes us as partners of his endless triumph. Holy Spirit is here to magnify the triumph, the victory of Jesus Christ. If we are not gonna preach the victory of Jesus Christ and the triumph and what he actually accomplished, then what good is our faith? Like, what are we even doing? Why are we even, why are we even here? Why, are we, why do we gather? I mean, we're nothing more than a social club on Sunday mornings if we're not gonna preach and live by the victory of Jesus and all that it accomplished for us. I'm not gonna go into the depths of all that Jesus accomplished for us right now. We could spend endless ages, and I think that's all we do as the church is just go after, what is this victory? What is this triumph? I mean, ultimately, all dominion, all authority, all power has been given to Christ and is now available to us. All of our sins have been forgiven. This is the new covenant in his blood. 
So literally, as, as Ellie just got done saying, we get, to, we get to be like the Holy of Holies. We get to come into the Holy of Holies. We get to literally be reconciled to God and have a relationship with God. Unlike anybody in world history ever got to have that privilege, we get that privilege. And now he fills us with, with all that God is. All that you saw Jesus Christ be as you read through the gospels, we are. And before you say like, whoa, that's close to heresy, man. You're saying like Jesus. I would, I would check who's the heretic if you don't believe that you can be fully like Jesus and even greater the things you do. Jesus said you will do even greater things. You won't be greater than Jesus. You will never be God. You will never be worshiped. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. But you have that living Lord inside of you to accomplish everything, to undo all the works of the devil, to defeat anything that Satan has tried to, to produce or reproduce or manufacture in all of his deception and evil. We have triumph in Christ. Holy Spirit in us leads us in triumph and victory in Christ. Let's keep going. Uh, through our yielded lives, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere we go. We have become the unmistakable aroma of the victory of the anointed one to God, a perfume of life to those being saved and the odor of death to those who are perishing. All right, verse 14 and 15. Through our yielded lives, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of God. How yielded are you to the Holy Spirit? This is the question we have to ask. Not how much of the Holy Spirit do you have in you. How yielded are you to the Holy Spirit in you? You have the Holy Spirit, if you have professed Jesus Christ as Lord and, you, and you've declared with your mouth that you believe that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. You are made new and everything inside of you, your spirit has literally been made new. When you were first born, you were born in your trespasses and sins, dead in your trespasses and sins. When you're born again, you have brand new life in Jesus Christ and now you have power and authority over anything anything that would come against Jesus Christ and his mission and his beauty, his perfection, and his glory. And so now he says, through our yielded lives, and so we have to ask the question, how yielded is my life to the Holy Spirit? In other words, um, what other things do I yield to? That's a good barometer of how yielded we are to the Holy Spirit. Uh, and he is Holy Spirit, by the way, which means his whole nature is to make you holy the spirit of holiness, the spirit of consecration or sacredness. Literally, he's here to make you more like Christ and purify every element of your conscience, primarily your conscience, your body, soul, and spirit. That's what Holy Spirit's here to do. How yielded are you? Um, that will play out in how obedient you are to Christ and how you walk in the truth of Jesus Christ and how you, and, or how obedient you are to the flesh, how obedient you are to fear, how obedient you are to worry, how obedient you are to, you name it, the other things that will control your life or make you make decisions according to fear, according to my thoughts and ambitions, according to my understanding, or according to Christ and what he says and who he is. There's this yieldedness. Um, so number one, Holy Spirit in us leads us in triumph and victory in Christ. Number two, Holy Spirit in us diffuses the fragrance of Christ everywhere. Now this is awesome, uh, because it's to God, it literally says in verse 15, we become this unmistakable aroma. Have you ever, have you ever smelt something that's like, 
that's unmistakable. Like that was that's raunch, or that's like, or that's good. I don't know what aroma does that to you or takes you back to some terrible childhood memory. I have quite a few of them, like throwing up in the in the van, like on long car rides, and then like that aroma. Now it just like I can't even handle it. And and here we are, here we are. God's saying like Holy Spirit in you is now this aroma to God. So. Literally, you don't have an aroma to God. You have nothing that's pleasing to God without the Holy Spirit. You're nothing without Holy Spirit. So we need Holy Spirit to create this aroma, which is in our act of obedience and in our act of sacrifice and in our act of worship and in our act of love, we are this aroma to God, but that everybody else can smell. Everybody else can smell because listen to this. This is a little bit the scary part. This is the part that we forget to invite other people into when we're being evangelistic. Say, hey, you want to be a Christian? Here's what it means. <laughs> Holy Spirit's going to fill you. You're going to become like this perfume, and it's going to be a perfume of life to those who are being saved and an odor of death to those who are perishing. Verse 16, the unbelievers smell a deadly stench that leads to death, but believers smell a life-giving aroma that leads to abundant life. And who of us can rise to this challenge? One way, a barometer you can tell how much of the Holy Spirit he has of you is how repulsive you are to unbelievers and how beautifully life-giving you are to believers. And if you don't have that repulsive nature or that attractive nature, Holy Spirit is not yielded to in your life. If you're just kind of the middle of the road, kind of like, well, he doesn't really give me life, but he doesn't really put me off. Just kind of there, just kind of like nice face. I'm telling you, you are not fully yielded to the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's hard to hear because we want to be really comfortable Christians. It's, it's, it feels good to just be our definition of nice to everybody. Jesus was not nice. He was kind. The Bible says he was perfectly kind. It does not say he was nice. He, I don't know if you've ever read Jesus' words, but I would not want to be the Pharisees in a conversation with Jesus because the truth about life is that it is repulsive to anything that is carrying death. And if you are a Holy Spirit-filled believer of God, you're not only going to repulse anything carrying death, you're going to repulse other so-called Christians that don't have the Holy Spirit or don't have much of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be this aroma of, of death to those who are going to death. And we are trying to bring, be the light and bring everyone into the life-giving beauty of Jesus Christ, into the mercies, into the goodness of Jesus Christ, into his glory. But the reality is if you're completely filled with the Holy Spirit, and if you are yielded to Holy Spirit, um, you're going to be an incredible aroma of life to people who need life. They're going to come to you. Are you the person that people call when they're hurting or when they feel lifeless? Are you the person that people call uh, when they're sad or in a dark place? That's how you know if Holy Spirit is producing life through you. When you talk with others, when you, when you just sit with others, because the presence of God doesn't need your, doesn't need your words. The presence of God will radiate through you literally, this is, we're talking about a physical power. And when you sit with somebody and you are in the spirit of God and they just say, wow, thanks for sitting with you. I feel better. 
I feel life was imparted to me. I feel peace and joy and righteousness like I never felt before because righteousness, peace, and joy is the kingdom of heaven in the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit. So do you give life or, and also, are you repulsive to people going to the grave? They, are, they do not want the light. And it's sad. And we're begging in God's mercy that God's kindness will draw them into repentance and come into the light. But until they do, you're going you're gonna to hit some of that Pharisee wall. And if you're not being repulsive, you're probably not standing up in the, in the complete truth of the Holy Spirit and the gospel in every one of your circumstances in life. So may we grab this barometer of Holy Spirit in us. Number one, Holy Spirit in us leads us in triumph and victory in Christ. Number two, Holy Spirit in us diffuses this fragrance of Christ, life to those, those coming into life and death to those who are dying. And then verse 17, for unlike so many, we are not peddlers of God's word who water down the message. We are those sent from God with pure motives who speak in the sight of God from our union with Christ. Holy Spirit in you cannot water down God's word. Cannot water down God's word. If you're watering down God's word, more water. If you're watering down God's word, if you can't preach verse by verse and say this is what God says and not apologize for it, Holy Spirit, you're not yielded to Holy Spirit in your life. He says, we're not like peddlers. We're, in, in, a, in that word, in the Greek, means we're not like ones trying to cheat you, trying to sell you something. A lot of Christianity is just trying to sell you something sometimes so that maybe you can come and be a part of the ministry or you can come give donations or you can kind of feel better about yourself. And a lot of churches have turned to the group therapy session instead of, hey, here's how you yield to God in your life and experience the fullness of Christ's life in you. And, and it hurts, and it's gonna, I'm not peddling this gospel. I'm gonna tell you the word of God and what it says because that's all I have, and this is our authority in Jesus Christ. So do we water down, the, uh, do we water down God's word? If so, Holy Spirit, you're not yielded to Holy Spirit in your life. Holy Spirit refuses to water down God's word. He's gonna preach it uh, without exception and without apology. We are those, verse, the end of verse 17, we are those sent from God with pure motives. With pure motives. Holy Spirit in us purifies our motives. Now, not only are we preaching God's word, now we're not only just an aroma to everybody and, and primarily to God, a sweet-smelling savor, he says, but now he purifies our motives. Holy Spirit will purify your motives. This is, this is a growing as we yield to the Holy Spirit because he will test your motives Okay, great, you preached my word. You preached it boldly. You preached every jot and tittle. You went after it. You were this aroma, but what was your motive in that? Was it to just glorify Jesus Christ? Was it just to be yielded to the Holy Spirit? Was it just out of love? Because 1 Corinthians 13 says, I don't care if you give your life to be burned and give away all your possessions for the name of Jesus. If you don't do it in love, you are nothing. That's, that's not an easy word. <laughs> oh, no, no, you didn't hear me. If you don't do it in love, it's not that you got a B minus in what you're doing. It's not that you got a C plus. You got a zero. I don't think we grasp the weight of our motives and the intentions of our heart. If it's not, if the, who we are and what we do is not in the purity of Christ's love, it's nothing. Zero. 
I think we have this rating scale in Christianity, like, well, it's kind of like C plus, and I was like, I'm kind of climbing, you know, it's kind of like B minus, I'm getting better. The purity of love manifests the purity of the Holy Spirit, manifests the purity of Jesus Christ, and, and creates life, and life abundant, creates life change and transformation. You cannot live in the Holy Spirit and live through the Holy Spirit and not create change. It's impossible. It's impossible. And it's just as impossible to create change without Holy Spirit. You can't, you can't live in the Holy Spirit and not create change. You can't live without the Holy Spirit and create change. Holy Spirit is this power. He is literally God in and through us. Holy Spirit purifies our motives. So now we're jumping into chapter three. Here we go. Chapter three. Are we beginning, verse one, are we beginning to sound like those who speak highly of themselves? Do you really need letters of recommendation to validate our ministry like others do? Do we really need your letter of endorsement? Of course not. For your very lives are the letters of recommendation permanently engraved on our hearts, recognized and read by everybody. Here we go, next point, what Holy Spirit does through, how he ministers through us. Holy Spirit, uh, let's see how I wrote this, the note, in us, releases us from self-promotion and self-validation. Holy Spirit releases us from self-promotion and self-validation. If you have to continually validate yourself in Christ, or you, or you are insecure in who you are in Christ, you're not completely yielded to the Holy Spirit yet. If you have to promote yourself um, as, as like, hey, no, really, I, I'm this awesome. <laughs> and you have to try to sell yourself as this awesome in ministry, I don't care what it is, in, ministry, in, in business, I, I would say in any industry in life, then you're probably, first of all, not that awesome. I'm sorry to say it. Because Holy Spirit won't need that to produce power and authority through you. People will know that you are different and will know that you bring something to the table that nobody else does. And I'm not saying that we're perfect and that I'm not saying we're always perfectly yielded and that is by God's grace. Our goal is to be perfectly yielded to the Holy Spirit so that literally he will be, he will be in the fruit of all that we do and say will produce so much fruit that, that the invitations will come. Other people will validate you in your ministry. Other things will validate you in your ministry, will validate you in your work. I hate, can I just speak to business owners? I used to own a construction company. If you're gonna put the little fishy on the back of your, your van or your truck, and you're gonna say, I'm a Christian in Christ, Holy Spirit-filled construction worker, then by God, you better be the greatest electrician that's ever lived with, with the most integrity and humility and character that that person has ever seen or experienced. That they should feel the peace and the joy and the character of Jesus Christ when you come into that home and you tie their cables together. Because when I was working in that industry, you know the only people that everybody refused to call the number of that of that vehicle that they saw, they told me all the time, I would never call one of those trucks that has a little fishy on the back because I know I'm gonna get taken advantage of. 
and I know they're going to do a crappy job. Isn't that terrible? That we think we got to promote ourselves as something that's great so people will accept us, but then we, we put in a half-hearted job and think that somehow Christ is glorified through this? Somehow Christ is glorified, or we, we, we deserve special treatment because we're Christian and we're saved, so call us. And I, I can't tell you how many stories I heard about these guys saying, hey, let's, ha- let's even have a prayer meeting before work. And then the business owner, after having the prayer meeting, would take advantage of and, and, and treat their, their employees like crap. And all the employees, they had such high turnaround, and nobody felt loved or honored or respected, and they got cheated in their paychecks and checks, balance, whatever it is. And I know no hard, times are hard sometimes, and I know, um, you know, Tough things happen, and it's not always on our character that bad things happen or that, that something happens with a company, but at least communicate to your guys, like, hey, I don't have any more money left. I don't know. But character, add to your faith virtue. That's like the second part in walking with the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's filling you, you don't need uh, letters of commendation or validation or promotion you should be filled with the fullness of Christ and you should be the most attractive worker, minister out there because everything you do produces life. Everything you do produces life. In him, there is no darkness. So if you're walking into an environment and you're producing darkness, any form of darkness, I don't care what it is, you are not yielded, at the very least, not yielded to the Holy Spirit. He doesn't have much of your life or maybe you don't have Holy Spirit at all because Holy Spirit will give us this validation and will be our promotion uh, Paul is arguing this with the church of Corinth and he's saying that pretty much other pastors had to write all these false letters saying, hey, here's our ministry. It's awesome. Here's the numbers we have. It's really cool. You're not going to need that with Holy Spirit because they're going to know. People have been touched by you and been changed and the word's going to spread. Jesus never promoted himself. If anything, he pushed everybody away. He said, if you will not eat of my flesh and drink of my blood then you have no part with me and 5,000 people just left. Where's where's the churches where you see people getting up and saying the hard truth and not caring if 5,000 people leave? And then looking at the 12 disciples say, will you leave me too? No, because you're the only one who has life. You're the only one who life. I don't understand everything you have to say. I can't comprehend everything you have to say. I'm diving in deep, but I know I've only experienced life with you. I've only experienced freedom with you. I've only experienced love with you. So I'm staying. I don't understand. I don't always know. I I fall down a lot, but a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up because Jesus and the Holy Spirit in us gives us that grace. Holy Spirit releases us from self-promotion and validation. Verse three, verse three, chapter three, verse three. As a result of our ministry, you are living letters written by Christ, not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not carved into stone tablets, but on the tablets of tender hearts. Holy Spirit will tenderize people's hearts and will become the evidence of, of his ministry through you. So you know, as people are changing that you talk to or that you minister to or that you pray for and their lives change or their circumstances change, God is ministering through you. Holy Spirit, you are yielded to God's spirit in your life. Holy Spirit in us produces living letters written by Christ himself. It's not you doing the work. Let's, let's continue to get back to this point. Holy Spirit is doing the work through you. You are the conduit. He is the electricity. He is the power. 
conduit, unless it's connected to a power source, has no power, has no power. So we are the conduit, and to the degree that we're yielded to this power source, everything changes around us. Verse three, Holy Spirit in us produces living letters written by Christ himself. There's the promotion of ministry, there's where Christ is working, uh, and this is w- what was happening in Paul's life and his ministry with Corinth. These people were living letters. They were, they were the example. They were the truth. When Paul came to town, people's lives got changed. Sin was repented of. People started growing in life. And now he says, look, we don't need any recommendation letters. You yourselves are our recommendation letters. And I would ask you, church, and I would ask myself, who are the people you can say, man, this is my recommendation letter. Look at the time I've spent with them and how much more like Jesus they look. And I ask spouses to look at yourself in a mirror and say, how much more does my spouse look like Jesus because they married me? Here's where we're starting with the premise of our ministry. The person that's the, that's the most difficult to love because you're with them constantly and they see all of your stuff, how much more are they like Christ because they married you? Here's Holy Spirit's evidence in your life it will be natural. There's nothing you can do about it if you're filled with Holy Spirit. Verse four through six. We carry this confidence in our hearts because of our union with Christ before God. Yet we don't see ourselves as capable enough to do anything in our own strength for our true competence flows from God's empowering presence. He alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on an entirely new covenant Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the Spirit. The letter of the law kills, but the Spirit pours out life. Holy Spirit in us, point number seven, gives us confidence in our union with Christ and humbles us at the same time in our inadequacies apart from Christ. If you think that you have any power to change anything or do anything, without the fullness of Christ doing it through you, you are mistaken, my friend. You are mistaken. If you think you're gonna outrun Christ, if you think you're gonna outrun God, like God, I remember when I was a kid, literally having this thought, maybe we don't always have this thought, maybe it's a little more subconscious, but when I was a kid, I remember training for a, um, a uh, competition, what do they call it, like a fine arts competition, right? You do speeches, you do singing, stuff like that. I was doing a speech in a fine arts competition, a national competition, and I had, I had gotten so far up in the competition, I won the state level, and I was going to the national competitions out in South Carolina for a speech. And I was doing a humorous interpretation. I was literally like doing a comedy speech. And I remember feeling in my, in my heart like a little bit like, I've got this, like I got this. And I literally remember feeling that feeling of like, I don't think I really even need God. Like I'm really, like I'm really good at what I do. Like, I'm just being honest. It's not, it's not like too arrogant. It's like, I worked hard. I remember like feeling that in my conscience a little bit. Like, yeah, God helps me with other things, but like, I am really good at this. And look, I've just destroyed the competition and like gold medals, blah, 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 all the way to here. And then I got up right after feeling that and choosing not to pray for one of the first times. I chose not to pray before I went into a competition. And I stood up in front of this massive crowd and I started to give my humorous interpretation of my speech and I blanked out in the, right in the middle and I forgot all my lines. I had memorized it, I had quoted it a thousand times, I had won all these competitions with this speech. 
And I just stood there with this like light and this blank stare and I was like, I, I was like literally numb and so humbled in that moment because I lost, and not only lost, I got like a zero. Like everybody else, right, you kind of like ranked and you got these different scores and everybody comes together at the end of the competition like, what did you get ranked from this judge? And like I didn't finish. I didn't even finish. And I couldn't, I couldn't bring it back to memory. I was sitting up there trying to pull it back up and there was nothing, it was blank. And now I look back at that and you can choose to be mad at God. He's so loving. God is so loving. He's like, I'm gonna show you how <laughs> worth anything you are without me and how capable you are without me. And how many times, and this is the scary part, is that I acknowledged it and I knew it right away and I was humbled and I dropped to my knees and I, and I repented and I prayed in tears like, God, never again. What pride, how much pride and arrogance to think I can work so hard and get good at something that I don't need God. And the scary thing is that a lot of us have done that in our subconscious. We haven't even acknowledged and we're hitting our heads against the wall and hitting our heads against the wall and hitting our heads against the wall and things aren't working and God's like, I'm trying to show you you can't do it without me. I need someone yielded to my spirit who acknowledges, just like Paul said, you are completely incapable and insufficient without Christ. Completely. And to the degree that you are a child of God, now, this is the scarier part, because if you do get successful on your own, in arrogance and in pride, and you work hard and you get it done, it's scary to think you can get to the top and acknowledge that I don't need Christ because that may be the reality that you don't have Christ. Because God will not allow, and sometimes he'll allow you, if, if you have to crash or whatever ways he disciplines us as his children, he's so loving and kind and gentle and gracious. But from my own experiences and from the experiences I read of the stories in the Bible, God doesn't let you go too far in your arrogance and in your pride before he trips you up and puts those roadblocks in there and says, hey, prophet Balaam, like, you know why your donkey's not moving anymore? You know why you're getting frustrated all the time? It's because you're not acknowledging me and you're walking in disobedience and you've quenched the Holy Spirit and you're not yielded to me in some area. There's some pride, there's some arrogance, there's a wrong motive. If you remember the prophet Balaam, uh, his motive was money and that's why he was doing ministry. And God was trying to stop him. And it took an angel standing before a mule to stop him and said, if, if, this, if you would have gone forward, I would have killed you. Sometimes I think, no, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. God, God uses unique ways to stop us is what I'm going to say. Um, and sometimes our greatest pain is God's greatest benevolence and grace to say, man, if I let you keep going, you would have killed yourself. You would have killed everybody around you. You would have killed your business and your family. You would have killed all the people working for you. I can't let you keep going. You don't understand. So yieldedness to the Holy Spirit uh, grants us humility and shows us our inadequacy apart from Christ. Verse six. Verse six. He alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on an entirely new covenant. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the Spirit. All right? Holy Spirit, uh, point eight, Holy Spirit in us rejects human cleverness and releases the true power to pour out life. Uh, he says we focus on this new covenant. 
This is not our cleverness. This is not our awesome speech. This is not your ability to be a really good evangelist and memorize an outline. This is not your ability to say a really good prayer at King Supers when you just see somebody who's discouraged and sad. And you know because the prompting in your spirit says, I should do something about this. I should ask them. I should pray. I should see if they're okay. I should pray for their groceries. This is how the Holy Spirit yieldedness looks in our lives. But he's not looking for a perfect uh, speech. He's not looking for a perfect outline. A Holy Spirit rejects human cleverness, but releases actual power to pour out life as we just yield to him, as we just are obedient to do whatever he asks. Um, In this specific passage right here, he says we don't preach uh, the old covenant. We're preaching an entirely new covenant. We're preaching that Jesus Christ is Lord and that now you can actually have a relationship with God. Before you couldn't, you had to be the high priest and you had to go through all the processes and you had to yield uh, all these animals and pay sacrifices to kind of try to pay this little bit of penance for your sin, but it wasn't ultimately covering your sin. Now, all your sin is forgiven. So just come to God. Come to God for peace, for love, for joy. I'm here to preach Jesus. You can come and receive life and life abundance, but you're only gonna find it in Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit. So he preaches this new covenant, and that's all they're preaching. They're not focusing on the old covenant, and he's gonna get into a little bit more of the reasons why here. Verse seven. Even the ministry that was characterized by chiseled letters and stone tablets came with dazzling measure of glory, right? Moses had this glory. Uh, We look at the whole Old Testament and the law that was written. There was this glory to it. Though it produced death, that's interesting, the Israelites couldn't bear to gaze on the glowing face of Moses because of the radiant splendor shining from his countenance, a glory destined to fade away. Yet how much more radiant is the new and glorious ministry of the Spirit? Whoa! If the old covenant and the old promise produced a glory in Moses when he got a hold of it, so much so that his countenance was physically glowing, his body was physically glowing, and he just said, how much more should the Holy Spirit make us even more glowing because we have this new covenant in Jesus' blood, and all sin has been covered, and it's permanent, and it's forever, and now there's nothing that we can do to keep God's love from coming in and getting us. Nothing can keep us from the love of God. So in this new covenant, it should be an even more radiant glory. And it's, it was really rebuking to me to study this passage and think, man, I wonder if this should be an almost a physical manifestation. Have you ever met somebody like who, who's just so in tune with Holy Spirit, they, their countenance just glows? Like, I don't know if it's their, you might say their smile is contagious or, or their personality is just so life-giving. I don't know what the glow is. Or maybe it's physically on their face, you just see this like glory. I don't know. But Moses physically shined. Jesus physically shined, right? When he went, when he went through uh, on the Mount of Olives, right? When, all his, when three of his disciples were with him. Um, the, the transfiguration. He physically shined. Stephen, when he was giving this speech that was very filled with the Holy Spirit and bold, and then right as he was dying, he physically shined right before he died. I want to physically shine, <laughs> I want to carry so purely the beauty, the innocence, the holiness of God, the love of God in me that I physically shine. And we should have a more radiant glory than even what was talked about with Moses and the Ark of the Covenant and the Ten Commandments written on stone. We have an even greater glory. So Holy Spirit in us produces a radiant and permanent glory. 
produces a radiant and a permanent glory. Verse nine. For if the former ministry of condemnation was ushered in with a measure of glory, how much more does the ministry that imparts righteousness far excel in glory? Holy Spirit in us produces righteousness. If you're in or around somebody who's ministering to you and they're condemning you or there's a spirit of condemnation, at the very best, this is old covenant, at the very best, and has no more glory because Christ's glory imputes righteousness. When we minister to somebody, they should think that they're more like Christ than before. They should think that they are more holy and righteous and forgiven and loved than before we met with them or ministered to them. Not that they're dirtier, not that they're uglier, than before. Not that they're more hopeless. Not that they're more of a sinner. But that they're a saint. That they literally have the image of God. That literally the spirit of God has been poured out on all men. And his law has been written on their hearts. This is the new covenant. They didn't have this in the Old Testament. And now Jesus Christ has made a way for them to have a relationship with the Father. Does, your, does this Holy Spirit in you and his power through you uh, produce Righteousness. Righteousness. I'm not here to tell you you're sinners. You're going to focus on your sin, you're going to focus on Old Covenant, and you're going to walk in your sin. You're going to focus on Jesus' righteousness, you're going to focus on his righteousness, and you're going to walk in his righteousness. You can either preach the Old Covenant, or you can preach the New Covenant. And the New Covenant liberates us. And the reason why some of us are still stuck in our sin is because we're living by the Old Covenant and living under condemnation. Instead of living in the truth that Christ has paid it all, he's liberated us from it all, he's not gonna judge us for any sin in the end. None, it's all been taken care of. We're not gonna experience any of the wrath of God. And so you get to live from righteousness to righteousness, from faith to faith, from glory to glory. You, you get to live as Christ died and rose again. You start where he rose from. This is where you start. That's incredible. And we as Christians do not grasp that or live from that. We live under condemnation and we think that our sin makes us less than instead of listening to the Father through the Holy Spirit saying, no, that's not who you are. So I'm gonna get practical with this. I don't wanna finish my notes because we're already nine minutes over. <laughs> um, if you, when you go to confess your sin, if you have to say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I'm dirty and I'm, and I, if you're gonna confess your sin that way, because 1 John 1, 9 says we confess our sin and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we confess our sin. But if you have to confess it like that and you keep dwelling on your sin and talking about your sin and, and believing that you are marked by and, and labeled by that sin, you're gonna stay in that sin. But if you decree the new covenant and you believe the new covenant and you say, Lord, I know that I believed less than what, who I really am in that moment when I did that thing. I know that I was not acting in the fullness of who Christ actually is in me. I know that I am better than that and I am fuller than that and I am righteous and I am perfected by your grace and that is not me. Paul even says in Romans 7, it's not I who sin, but the sin in me. It's, it's in, my, in my body, in my flesh, he said, is sinning. It's not even me because you're not your flesh. You are your spirit and your spirit is brand new and it's in Christ and God only sees the perfection of Jesus Christ in you. And so when we confess our sins, we're agreeing with God that that's not who we are, that we are in Christ. And so when you focus on Christ's righteousness and you focus on Christ's love and you focus on Christ's purity and his holiness, you become more like him. So confess your sins in that way, saying, Christ, thank you for your righteousness in me. I don't have to submit to this. It's not my master. 
I'm gonna skip to the end of chapter three. I could just go on here forever. Guys, this is beautiful, what Holy Spirit does in us. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rattle off these points really quick and I'm gonna close this down. Holy Spirit in us uh, produces a radiant and permanent glory. Holy Spirit in us imparts Christ's righteousness. Verse 12, Holy Spirit in us produces hope, which produces freedom and boldness to speak the truth. Verse 14 through 16, Holy Spirit in us opens our mind, it softens our heart, and grants us repentance to acknowledge and turn to Christ. Verse 17, Holy Spirit in us grants us the grace to release control, making him Lord and master, which in turn liberates us completely. Because verse 17 says, I have to read it real quick, come on. Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit, and wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. So where you don't have freedom in your life yet, and you keep saying, well, I'm stuck, or I keep doing the same thing, or I can't get out of this, that's to the degree that Holy Spirit is Lord in your life. And Holy Spirit is Lord over that situation in your life. Because if he's Lord, he will liberate you to the completeness. Wherever you need to be set free. So where the Holy Spirit is Lord, wherever he is master, wherever he's in control, there is complete freedom. So Holy Spirit grants us the grace to release control, making him Lord and master, which in turn liberates us completely. And then verse 18, Holy Spirit in us transforms us into the image of Christ, always moving us to greater levels of glory and radiance. There's so much here. Um, we could sit on these two chapters for days and days and years. But I plead with you and I pray that we would be yielded to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Yielded to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Holy Spirit, come be master. Come be Lord over the way that I look at myself, over the way that I perceive myself. Come be Lord over the ways that I keep falling and tripping, over the ways that I make mistakes. Come be Lord over my, over my marriage. Come be Lord over my finances. Come be Lord. I yield to you in every way because you're the power that creates life. We're gonna pray and we get a really cool opportunity tonight to be a part of baptism. You know what baptism is, Peter says? It is a cry to God for a clean conscience. It's a plea to God for a clean conscience. That's why we get baptized. It's saying, Christ, I identify with you completely. You fill me completely, and when I come up out of that water, I am completely in you. There's not one ounce of sin that controls me or labels me anymore. And now my conscience is completely free. I will no longer have shame or guilt. That's the cry. That's what baptism is. So let's pray that, and, uh, and then let's celebrate with those getting baptized tonight. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for liberating us by your spirit. Thank you for empowering us by your spirit to look more like Christ. Conform us into the image, the complete image of Jesus. And Father, anything that is not yielded to the image of Christ in our lives, to the power, to the authority of Christ, would you, would you change in us? Would you transform? Would you grant uh, your light and revelation uh, on anything that needs to change, Lord? We yield to you. Holy Spirit, we love you. And uh, we are so grateful that many are being baptized tonight into your kingdom, into your presence, into your spirit, into your image, Jesus. Would you be magnified? Would you be glorified? Jesus, be exalted in our lives. We pray this in your awesome name. Amen.